0: This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining
1: Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life each week. New stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and today my guest is Dalia Mostafa. Dahlia is a Professional Certified Master Life and Soul Coach, Counselor and Trainer with 15 years of experience. She holds four coaching degrees from Canada and the USA. Dahlia is a PhD Fellow in Leadership, Policy and Change with an area of focus in Counseling Psychology. Moreover, she is a Writer, a Motivational Speaker, a Leadership Consultant and a Humanitarian as well. Dahlia is fluent in English, French and Arabic and regularly appears on CBC and CTV. Dahlia is the president and CEO of Click Coaching and Counseling, Inc., and recently launched the Canadian Life Transformation Academy. She works hand-in-hand with husbands, wives, children, and community members using a coaching and counseling approach that's tailored to their needs, backgrounds, cultures, morals, and ethics to help them make their dreams real and revive their relationships while improving their well-being, balance, and development. Her vision is to help individuals around the world to bring out the best in them and help them create a fulfilling way of living. And her mission is to enrich the quality of relationships and family life while promoting the development of children into happy, secure, self-sufficient, emotionally robust adults, ones who are capable of becoming respectful, constructive citizens. Dahlia is also dedicated to helping immigrants, newcomers, and refugees to settle and integrate in North America. Dahlia pursues her work in English, French, and Arabic through one-on-one sessions at her Calgary office in Canada and also internationally via phone and Skype. She has workshops, seminars, and courses running throughout the year in 22 different areas in line with her vision and mission. Her Facebook page has more than half a million fans from all over the world, following her writing and inspirational shows. On a monthly basis, Dahlia is committed to carrying out free workshops that provide solutions for day-to-day problems. It's a core value for her to offer services that are affordable and accessible to all society members. In addition, Dahlia holds to her credit 39 international awards based on research and academic excellence, as well as her leadership, teaching skills, volunteerism, and community service. She was recently the winner of both the 2017 Canadian Immigrants of Distinction Award in Community Service and the 2017 RBC Top 25 Canadian Immigrants Award. Moreover, Dahlia was recently honored by the Governor General of Canada on behalf of Queen Elizabeth II by the Sovereign Medal for Volunteer. She is also running as a finalist for the 2017 Woman of Inspiration Award across Canada. Dahlia's volunteerism started during her early school years in Egypt and carried over during her university years in Egypt, Canada, and the USA. Dahlia takes pride in being a Rotarian who is dedicated to serve people around the globe. Furthermore, Dahlia holds a bachelor and master's degree in electrical engineering and has experience in the oil and gas industry and academia. Her transformational journey as the Vice President of Academic and University Affairs of the Postgraduate Soci- Student Society at McGill University for two consecutive years was a journey of commitment and serving her colleagues, surveying their needs and finding creative solutions for their problems. Dahlia is a lifelong learner and PhD steward of the discipline dedicated to learning, conserving and transforming knowledge. Dahlia is happily married to Ahmed Mustafa, has one son, Ramsey, and takes care of her precious elderly mother living with them. She lives in Calgary and she enjoys traveling, photographer, fine dining, volunteering, and learning about customs and traditions. Welcome Dahlia.
2: Welcome, Cass. Thank you very much. I'm so really honored to be here with you today and with all your beautiful audience from all around the world.
1: That is quite an impressive biography.
2: Let's start
1: with your earlier life. You were born in Egypt, is that right?
2: Oh, yes. I grew up at the land of the pharaohs, and I used to go for my winter vacations in Egypt when the weather is really beautiful. I used to play at the temples in Luxor and Aswan. It was so majestic. Oh,
1: so what was it like growing up there? How, how long did you
2: live there? Uh, I lived there for 26 years before to moving to Canada. And I moved to Canada on my birthday. It was exactly the 27th of November. I grew up in a French Catholic school uh, where I really learned how to embrace people from different backgrounds, different religions. It was a school really focused on community service as well and etiquette, manners, ethics. And uh, it was really interesting, you know, having a Muslim background. And going to a Catholic school, I think that that was the way that I learned at a very young age to respect differences, to uh, embrace people regardless, regardless of their race, genders, backgrounds, ethnic or cultures differences. And um, at grade five at the school, I was actually elected to be the president of the public media a service at the school. So it was an opportunity for me to really expand and grow and be a motivational public speaker since I was at grade five until today. Uh, mm-hmm. Egypt was really beautiful, you know, like you get to meet all these uh, uh, beautiful, warm, cozy people, you know, the nature, the beautiful uh, temples, uh, the majestic pyramids over there. Ah uh, Egypt is where home is memories it's really where my roots are and i feel uh, i feel great pride actually being an egyptian and of course i wake up every day now that i'm living in canada and i'm cherishing as well being a dual citizen canadian egyptian
1: mm. well egypt is on my bucket list of some place to go someday i've always wanted to see the pyramids in person you know,
2: I recently was in California for a fundraising event, and the public speaker was Dr. Zahi Hawass, one of the one of the top archaeologists all over the world and We had this conversation and he said, "You know what, Dahlia? you make a group of whoever would like to visit Egypt in two thousand and eighteen, and I promise I will let them have access inside the pyramid and inside all the temples and really." He, he has the power to do that. He's just a magical person. He dedicated all his life, more than 50 years, really, studying Egyptian archaeology. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll
1: have, to, I'll have to get in touch with you after this out to <laughs> talk about that. Um, so this is not in your official biography, but I understand that you were diagnosed with juvenile arthritis at 12 years old. What was yes. that like for you to be told that you might be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of your life?
2: You know, it was it was really very hard. I, I remember I returned home uh, that day. It was the first time ever I saw my father crying, and my mom was absolutely panicking, and I didn't know what was going on. I was a child by that time, and I saw my dad crying, and I was like, Dad, am I going to die? He said, no, honey, but you have juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And I heard the doctor saying, She's going to be in a wheelchair within six months. And my dad even asked the question, he said, can we take her abroad to Europe, to the U.S.? The doctor said, even if you take her all across the world, she's going to come back to me in a wheelchair. So it was really frustrating. Uh, You know, like as a child, you want to feel that you have the power and the ability to run, climb, be everywhere. You know, you're just embracing life, and you want to feel that freedom inside of you. Definitely you don't want to be encapsulated or confined in a wheelchair. And I remember really my dad and mom did an amazing job, you know, uh, telling me on every day, making me renew a promise for them. Dad would uh, make me sit on his lap and, and ask me to promise him, Promise me that no matter what, you're going to keep going every day. And mom will just, you know, keep telling me, for as long as you're doing good deeds, good deeds will always back you up. So just focus on the present. Just keep doing. Just keep moving forward. Don't let negativity draw your bar anyway. Stay on that narrow path. Focus on your goal and determine to have a high-quality life. So it was really a choice by that time. Do I want to listen to the doctors or do I want to listen to my parents? But also it wasn't only one doctor who said so. It was lots of doctors who said so in Egypt. And I made the free choice that I wanted to listen to my parents. I believed them. I trusted them. And I trusted more in the divine power, that there is a divine power. I always believed in angels, right? So there is, there is God. There is angels. I'm not going to be left out alone. And uh, if I really have this power that I want to do and I want to build and I want to help others, that I'm sure that God is going to give me the energy and figure out for me the path to do that. And interestingly enough, as a child, you know, when you want to run and have high energy and then you have a disease that uh, technically draw your energy and make you feel fatigue and so on, pain all over your bones, you know, you, you, you get sometimes to be angry, you know. The question that all children are faced with is, why me? So I would always ask my dad in anger, why me? And he said, because you have been chosen. And I was asked, chosen for what? Chosen, and he would reply chosen for a different path. And my mom would add, you know, sickness is not something bad. Sickness is meant to show us deeper wisdom. There is a lesson there for you to learn. And maybe in the future you would be able to share it with people and people would benefit from this. And they would always, you know, when I was young, they would say as much as I really, 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 when I was young, I really hated my illness case. And it's because one of the doctors, one of the most brilliant doctors, he told me that, he tried to explain to me what juvenile rheumatoid arthritis is. So he said, it's like your own body is fighting your own body. So it's like you're living with the enemy. So at a very young age, when when a doctor informs a child that they are living with the enemy, it just makes you feel hating your body. And this actually doesn't help. It just keeps you in a struggle. I don't want to have that body. What kind of body is it? The body that the joints are fighting their own joints. And then as much as my mom and dad taught me to infuse love and to love myself as who I am, I really, for I can say for 25 years, I was the one actually who put the label on my identity as I am sick. And all I really wanted by that time was just to be healthy, up and running and doing all the things that I couldn't do. Despite the wisdom and the great insight I got from my parents, and especially when they reflected that, it's your illness that made you compassion. It's that beautiful heart that you have. Everyone has something genuine about it, about them. So instead of focusing on what you don't have, it's better to reshape your thoughts and focus on what you have. And then uh, I decided I wanted to be successful. I was a single child for my mom and dad. And I really felt even guilty that they have a sick child, uh growing up in egypt egypt uh, by that time long 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 time ago uh the culture over there by that time people were very judgmental so if people would know that you're sick they would drop you with this negative energy oh poor child sweetie you're having pain so it's really such a negative energy that will make anyone feel more sick on top of what they are so i really i didn't share that news with anybody except my mom and dad my uncles that's it even my closest intimate friends, they, they never knew that until actually 25 years past. And exactly 10 years ago, it's interesting that we're speaking today on December 7th, because 10 years ago, I had uh, I was driving... I was living in Canada, and I was going to the university. It was a huge snowstorm in Canada, and I remember telling myself, oh, my God, I better really take my time because I don't want to end up in an accident. And I really took my time, and I went late to school that day. But I was having an invigilation. My students were having an exam, and I was having invigilation over the exam. And I stayed on a chair, as usual, and I was standing up, and I fractured my leg. And I was sitting over there in the hospital for three months. And this was the time I really had deep thoughts and I said, oh my God, So I've lived with the disease for 25 years now and apparently I could really make it and be successful in engineering, helping people, living my life. Yes, I had, you know, like there was, the pain was there, but I chose to distract myself from the pain. I chose to be up and running and doing and contributing and I chose to adapt my life and be flexible with everything and do things in my own way. And this was really the time that I felt that the divine has chosen me for this, as my parents used to say, Not to keep the wisdom of the story for me, but really to inspire children around the world that no matter what they could be having, whether it's an autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, or cancer, or lupus, or whatever it could be, they are still able to dream. They are still able to inspire themselves. They are still able to realize their dream, manifest their dream, ask for miracles, call upon the divine to help them, work hard, persevere, hang in there, achieve, multiply their joy, their abundance. And I really felt that this is really the legacy that really the divine has put out there for me. But I didn't have enough courage to accept that because this this really, in a way or another, was me getting up there in a public stage and sharing with people. If I want to share the success, I also want to share the challenges and how the challenges were. And I wasn't ready for that. Until mm-hmm. uh, I think it was seven years later, my mom fell sick and she was in the intensive care and she was really we were almost losing her and i remember sitting there in the intensive care next to her and i made this promise to god and i said if you really bring her back i'm really gonna spread joy and i'm gonna fulfill my legacy i know what you've always wanted me to do and i guess i'm ready now to do it and surprisingly enough like within i remember within a couple of hours Mama woke up from her coma, which was almost impossible. And I knew by that time that I need to fulfill my promise to God. And I really want to be uh, straight on my legacy. And uh, when I look at myself now, right now, when I stand up on stages and I speak to people, the amount of people that come and say, oh, thank you for being an inspiration. You know, now having the education, the part of the coaching, the part of my PhD in leadership policy and change, and the wisdom itself of the real story, and it's not only one story, it's like several stories in my life. This is what people want to hear, that yes, you had challenges, but you succeeded to overcome You know, when young children come to me and they say, oh, thank you for giving us hope. We never believed that we could do it, but you are giving us hope. I find that really giving hope to people, you know, not only it makes my day, but I find that it's such a noble cause to spread hope and optimism around. uh, Because when you are locked up inside the problem itself, Sometimes it feels like you're thinking deep and deep and deep and you cannot, th- you cannot see anything around positive. Yes, you would like anything to lift you up, but it's l- it's like you're just thinking deep inside.
1: Mm. Well, you had very wise parents who gave you some really good advice and it sounds like you uh, worked through that struggle. So you did not end up in a wheelchair, is that right?
2: No, I did not end up on a wheelchair. They taught me, this is really interesting. Because a long time ago, you know, like uh, 35 years ago, I remember my dad was teaching me creative visualization to visualize myself up and running and doing things and feel the energy and how does it feel in your muscles when you're doing that. And the last five minutes before you sleep, you need to visualize yourself up healthy and in a good health and so on. And in the morning when you wake up, you need to set up your intention. You need to imagine things. You need to set up your dreams for for the day, you need to set up your dreams on the short term, on the long term. What is that thing you want to do? And I really can say that really visualizations, you know, and that, uh, that kinds of, um, that kinds of hormones that it creates in your body, it really did a huge shift in my life, especially at a very young age. I remember we had uh, a small farm in Egypt, and I, that, that was also, you know, I, I grew up actually in a Western way in an eastern country, in the Middle East. But I remember my dad taking me with him to the farm, and he would spend hours contemplating and meditating. And I would ask, like, as a child, Dad, what are you doing? And he would say, I'm just meditating. I'm trying to listen through the silence. And he taught me meditation at a very, very young age. So practicing meditation, visualization, imagining, redefining my goals over and over. And see one of the things that uh, I remember once I asked my doctor, Uh, I have a brilliant doctor actually in the United States. Uh, One of them was my rheumatologist and the the other one was the hip surgeon who operated my hip when I was 16. Uh, And I remember them asking, uh, how is my future going to be like? And both of them, they said, you're going to keep going. If you ever realize that you can no longer go, change path and go somewhere else. So it's about you being flexible with life. There is nothing that's going to stop you, but sometimes you might need to take the tour. And you know, being a coach now, I get to see lots of clients who are really rigid with their life. But I really realized at a very young age that the more you are flexible, the more you are sailing in your life, learning how to connect with your intuition and decluttering your life from noises to be able, really, where is the divine guiding you? Where is success for you? You know, as a human being, you could want something, but this something might be bad for you. So there could be another venue that is a way much better for you. And now me shifting from engineering to psychology, I find that everything I do, I do easily and smoothly. It has a ripple effect across people. I loved, I loved, I loved being an engineer. But in my engineering, I was always working in front of the computer. Now the human interaction between me and people, it is so nourishing. It's so expanding. You know, I get to meet with the housewife, with the lawyer, with the doctor, with the teenager with the child with the single person a single mom so it's, it's just a massive learning and I remember interestingly enough this is was one of my prayers one day I said dear God I really want to learn on a day-to-day basis so I'm now really learning on a day-to-day basis I just love what I'm doing it's in alignment with my core values to serve people to help people to be a humanitarian and life is just much more uh, ethical and in integrity when you really align with your values this is really when success keep glowing and shining and blooming without really much effort from you you know there is lots of creativity you know like comes. Um, you focus on one thing and you want to do it but you feel that you are guided god shows you the step how to move from here to there and this is where you can ach- achieve success not in the hard way but in a much easier way mm.
1: So, you are a Muslim woman who attended a Catholic school. Yeah, <laughs> that's a somewhat <laughs> unique background. Um, is it unusual for a traditional Muslim woman to be a successful business leader? It, did you have support from your community for um, becoming the successful business
2: leader that you are? i'll'll I'll clear I'll answer you in detail. I remember when I was in engineering. Uh, I had my, after I finished my master's degree in engineering, I had a paper who, were, who that was accepted in a conference in Turkey. And then I went to my master's supervisor and he said, so Dalia, you're traveling to Turkey to present the paper. And I looked at him and I said, really? He said, yes. I said, oh, my God, I've never heard of any other student traveling like as a female to present their paper. This was a long time ago. And he said, but you really have a bright future and the work that you're doing is really high quality. And I would like to encourage you to break the barriers, the female stigma taboos and go out there, see the world, pursue your education, pursue higher education. And I remember when I told my mom that growing in a conservative family in Egypt, she said, yes, honey, I would support you for this. And I would love to go with you. And I was like, oh my God, what is what is that kind of like you <laughs> know like a master student and I'm going to the conference with my mom and I said you know what well- I know I'm a single side, and how much, you know, she's always worried about me. So we actually, we traveled together to the conference. It was my first time ever standing on an international podium in an international conference and me presenting my work. And I really own it to my master professor, Dr. Nader Hamzi, in Egypt, may his soul rest in peace. You know, that, that really was the beginning when I decided and I said, I really have a great potential and I don't want any taboos or stigmas to keep me in a barrier. And I found huge support from my family, huge support from my friends in Egypt, and when I moved to Canada, you can't imagine how people really, uh, in the community, at the school, at the university, my clients, everyone is like, Dalia, we want you to be more successful. And you know what, Kate, sometimes actually this triggers the fear of success because of how successful you've become, people are always expecting lots and lots and lots and lots of success from you. Uh, But sometimes all I have to do, I say, I'm not working for anyone's expectations. I need to focus on where I want to go, why am I doing it, what's going to be the benefit on me, on my family, and the society at large. I have to say too, I'm really, really, really blessed to have a supportive. My husband is a Muslim Egyptian Canadian. He came to Canada when he was 12 years old, and he is someone who really appreciate the role of women in society. He is really, you know, a very, very, very strong anchor at my backbone, you know. He propels me forward. He takes care of the baby. When I'm studying, doing research on my PhD or when I'm in conferences, I remember, you know, after, after, the, after delivery, you know, mom always are so tied with the baby. So I remember my baby was uh, one year old and I had this conference in California and I really wanted to go. But, you know, I was like, I don't want to leave my baby alone. And he was really the one who really pushed me forward. And he said, no, that's okay. I'll take care of the baby, me and your mom, and you go to the conference. So support support really makes great difference. Support of the family, support of your soulmate, support of the community. It really makes a great difference. And not only the support also, you know, what's really beautiful is how people feel joyful for your success. I'm really deeply always very touched, honored, and humbled by all those women and men who really are happy for my success. There is actually, I want to share this with you, there there is really lots of Muslim women who are successful. But that's the thing, you know, are they having, are they making it through the news, through the radio shows? Are people aware of what you're doing? Because the Muslim community is a little bit shy. So not everyone can stand out and speak about their success and what you are doing. And this is what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to encourage Muslim women to just have more voices and to start talking. I remember when I was honored with the Canadian Immigrant of Distinction Award in Calgary, and I was going up the stage to deliver my my speech. I had a couple of Muslim women actually approaching me after, right after I finished the speech, and they came and de- and they said, "Thank you for giving us permission to talk." And I wondered really about the statement, and I said, "Really." Did you need any permission to talk? And they said, yes, we need someone who can encourage us to talk, to stand up and be a role model. And I was really, really, really deeply touched. Uh, but, But something really I want to stress on, you know, like I do provide lots of courses through the Canadian Life Transformation Academy and Click Coaching and Counseling, Inc., but I never, you know, all my courses are always open from, for people from all denominations, from all backgrounds. And I can tell you the joy that I get when I have a classroom full of 80 students, for example, and they're all, you know, from Muslim background, Catholic background, Jewish background, Sikh background, uh, atheists, all the backgrounds there. And people are just integrating and communicating on a sole humanitarian level. That tells me that, Dalia, you are on the right track pursuing your mission in life.
1: Absolutely. And that is hopefully the way forward, right? With all the dissension in the world is for us to all exactly. come together in, uh, exactly. in pursuit of a better life for everyone. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, we've got to take a short break. But when we come back, breaking barriers and shining her light.
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Kate Fessler, and today my guest is Dahlia Mustafa. Dahlia, you now live in Canada, our beautiful neighbors to the north. When and why did you move there?
2: I moved to Canada. It was in 2005. And the dream was actually after I finished my master's degree and I went to that conference in Turkey and I started having have an interaction with researcher on an international level my dream was to come to Canada and pursue my PhD you know and be a researcher so I can really contribute to the scientific world and I came to Canada I joined Concordia University I finished my PhD courses and of course Meg Gilly I was honored with the University Concordia University with three international award I was ranked the third on all the university and I was offered the Stanley Thompson fellowship award. By that time McGill University actually uh, recruited me with another three awards and of course McGill has such a huge reputation and it was an old dream for me to join McGill University. So I joined McGill and started working on my dissertation uh, on McGill University. Uh, Interestingly enough within six months there was a job fair in the university on campus and Bombardier which is uh, one of the largest, the top uh, number one actually uh, company in aeronaut- uh, in aeronautics space and uh, aerospace engineering. Uh, they actually met me in the job fair. We had a small interview. They called me for an interview the following day, and then they put a job offer for the fir- third day. And then I was really like, you know, it was a dream to join Bombardier and work in the industry. You know, I spent all my life working in academia when I was working in engineering, and I was so much eager to go outside, see how is it like to be an engineer in, le- in real life, and decide, do I want to be in the industry for the rest of my life or do I want to come back to academia with an industrial experience? And then I remember my sweetheart's mom, who I love her so much, she said, oh, honey, I'm afraid if you go to industry, you're never going to continue your PhD. And I didn't want to break her heart by that time. So I said, okay, mom, I'm going to decline the Bombardier offer. Another Within another six months, I got a job offer from the Canadian number one petroleum company in Canada, Suncor Energy. And really, like, you know, I just told myself, I cannot keep declining job offers for companies that I want to work for. This is my life. These are my dreams. So I need to communicate this to my mom that, yes, she has dreams. But I also have my own dreams for my life, and we had this uh, highly intellectual conversation. I really didn't want to break her heart until I got her blessings, and I accepted the job offer. and relocated from Eastern Canada, from Montreal to Western Canada in Calgary. And then I joined uh, Suncor Energy for five years. I kept escalating in roles until I became a team lead for reliability and engineering. I was really enjoying, you know, working in the industry, but I always felt, you know, when I reflected when my mom fell sick and she was in the intensive care, as we said before, the break i realized that in all my life i was doing coaching to people so when i was teaching in egypt at the arab academy for science and technology or in uh, concordia university or in mcgill university in montreal i was doing academic coaching for my students and then when i shifted to suncor energy to the industry i was also doing leadership coaching and team building coaching so i said it's really time i really want to learn what is coaching based on a degree So I kept looking for coaching degrees. And interestingly enough, I came throughout Erickson College at Vancouver and I took my coaching degree with them. Then I came through the Seoul Coaching International Institute and I took my coaching degree with them. And then it became profounding, profounding. And I said, okay, there is really no point of me continuing my PhD in engineering. I would rather have the PhD in leadership policy and change because it's more related to the work that I'm doing. And I can tell you, Kate, how much I was really driven and how much I was passionate to have to be now that my area of study is something that directly benefits my clients. So it's exactly that the knowledge and the education and the research I'm learning on a day-to-day basis has direct impact on my career and I can see the results of, on my clients. And people when, they, people, when people show up for career coaching, you know, um, in, like growing up in the Egyptian culture, you know, if you like, there, there is some, some constant thoughts over there. If you like uh, biology, you go, you become a doctor. You go for faculty of medicine. If you like math, you become an engineer. But the thing is, it's not about if you are good in this subject, what do you want to become? It's actually what do you want to become? So if you, you want to become like a doctor? Do you want to become like a coach? Do you want to become a psychologist? So it has different mindset. So living actually in Canada and living in North America really did a huge change and shift in my mindset. The name of your program is Change, Redefining Success. I can really tell you that nothing really disturbed my mom more than the word change. And coming from an Egyptian background, I know that lots of Egyptians really in the Middle East, the word change is really a very, very big thing. People would rather wow. live the life that they know than stepping forward to the unknown. And uh, me being the example and me as well having all these education and, and knowledge now, that's what I'm trying to teach people, to break barriers and shine their own light. They could be stuck in a miserable marriage. They could be stuck in a miserable career. They could be stuck in a toxic relationship, right? So it's the ability to be open always to change and see what new opportunities are out there for you. And sometimes you need to close all chapters for you to be able to see what the divine is showing you, to be able to see what's there in front of you. But if you keep looking at the closed door, probably you're not going to be able to see the other doors that are opening for you. And uh, then I shifted to from engineering to psychology. I opened my own company, Click Coaching Counseling Inc. And I've been working like all over Canada, the States, the Middle East, Dubai, Egypt, everywhere. And three months ago, I succeeded to open the Canadian Life Transformation Academy. I, succeeded, but I sorry, I realized that lots of people are not comfortable coming to see a coach and counselor. They would rather be feel more comfortable taking a course, and coming from academia as well, I'm really driven to teach. I would love that one day I would stop doing the coaching and counseling session, and all I'm doing is just teaching people, empowering them through education and knowledge, and I'm glad that right now I'm really focused on these two lines, the line of the one-on-one empowerment, but also as well the classes and the teaching.
1: So you have been uh, exposed to a lot of different ways of thinking, growing up in Egypt, moving to Canada, first to Montreal, which is, of course, a very different culture than Calgary, um, even within the same country. And it's interesting what you just said about how, you know, in Egypt, change is kind of a bad word. And I think that's true for a lot of people. They're very fearful of it. And if we're raised to believe that like you said, you just go into this thing and then you stay there forever. It can be very hard to open your mind to new possibilities. You have a radio show in which you try to help people um, who are new to culture, uh, immigrating into uh, North America, to help them adjust to that and help them solve the problems. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh,
2: You know something, as you said in the beginning, I had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. So because of this, I did my parents actually made me travel the whole world looking for a cure. So my illness, one of the advantage was that I got to travel at a very young age, meet people from different cultures. So when I settled to Canada, I was already ready, willing and able to blend with Canadians. But not everybody has the type of life that I had, right? So people come to Canada, and sometimes Canada is the first country they ever travel to. So in Canada, we offer lots of English courses for people to learn English, lots of career courses for people to know how to look for jobs. But actually, we don't have a skill set of coaching courses that teach people how to blend, how to change their negative thoughts how to know about the new thoughts. We need to teach them about parental education. There is law here, you know, and requirement on how you teach uh, and you raise children a little bit different than in the Middle East. There is law as well about marriage, how a marriage should be here, a little bit different than in the Middle East. So people really need to know these, uh, these new thoughts, these new information and knowledge to be able to learn it and integrate smoothly with people. Like in lots of cultures, for example, for immigrants, People avoid making eye-to-eye contact. For Canadians and Americans, it would be an insult if we're communicating together and there is no eye-to-eye contact. People try to understand as much as possible, right? But there is always in in order to build rapport with others, you know, you would want to be smiling, you would want to have eye contact, you would want to uh, backtrack what people are saying, show that you're interested, and stuff like that. So this is, this is something very important that I do through the radio show. I teach people how to do that transition. I teach people about the Canadian culture, how Canadian people are really warm. I teach people to start talking and reaching out. I remember a friend of mine called me a couple of months ago, and she, she was really angry on the phone, and she said, Dahlia, they hate us. And I said, who hates you? Are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not Okay. Canadian hate us. And I said, why Canadian hate you? She, she's, she, she, she's an Egyptian Muslim friend. And she said, well, there was this girl who came on the television and she said she has a miserable experience in Canada. And I immediately replied, I said, Do you have a miserable experience? She said, no. I said, how about your husband, children? She said, no, we have very good experience. And I said, oh my God, if you all have a good experience, why are you choosing to define your life through another experience of another person? So that's exactly what I do in the show. I try to let people build their own judgment based on their own experience. I try to tell people, please go out, start talking with your neighbors. Please do contribute, volunteer in society, do community work, get to know others, you know, because this is how it's very important and it's very healthy for a country like Canada with lots of immigrants that people blend and integrate and start talking together. Once you don't do that, you're going to start feeling isolated. You're going to tell yourself, I cannot find a job. It's because you you don't know how to network. You don't know how to present yourself. You don't know how to give an elevation speech. You're not sure about your identity. So these are all things that I try to cover in the show every week, and I always try to have with me like a superstar in, in the opposite, whether it is someone successful in, in the industry, as a mother, in politics, as a nurse, you know, so that people from different backgrounds can always relate that, yes, despite the challenges, if you want to be successful and you set your mind to success, you're going to be able to set your goals short-term, long-term, visualize this success, and just have a general vision and start doing your mission on a day-to-day basis, one of the things that is really important is really you know, to stop people from whining and complaining and try to let them be focused more towards taking actions in real life. How am I going to change that? How can I reach out for my dreams? What skills do I need? What do I need to learn? How can I manage my time more? How can I be a mother? How can I be a wife? And how can I still have... A great fulfilling career. So these are all things that I try to cover through the show Inspirations with Dalia Mustafa.
1: And you've gotten a lot of awards including the 2017 Canadian Immigrants of Distinction Award in Community Service and the 2017 RBC Top 25 Canadian Immigrants Award. So you clearly are contributing a lot to your adopted country. What do those awards mean mm-hmm. to you?
2: You know, this award was, these awards this year, like this year alone on its own, I won eight awards. Like so far, I'm standing at 40 international awards. Eight of them was this year. So I think there is a message here that's coming to really tell me that, Dahlia, the shift that you have made it, you are really on the right way. You know, when, you, when you're doing community service or you're doing your work professionally, you're not waiting for the recognition. But when the recognition comes, it's a reassurance that you really, what you're doing is working out. And you can't imagine, Kate, how much this propels you forward and drives you that I want to do more, I want to do more, since I know that I'm doing it right, that I want to do more, I want to contribute more, I want to help more people, I want the message to reach out more and more. And this was really one of the main reasons behind opening the Canadian Life Transformation Academy because it was time that I want to expand those courses beyond my training center in Calgary. I want these courses as well to be online in English, in French, in Arabic, so that people can start learning all over the world, not necessarily just in Canada and the States, but in Australia in India and Egypt, the Middle East, all over the world. So it it really came with joy. It came, you know, like uh, I was really, really, really touched and deeply touched. I never saw that in one year I could have eight awards. And interestingly enough, I don't know if you come across this or not, uh in July, last July, I actually was honored with a letter from the Egyptian president and the minister of immigration in Egypt, and they invited me for an award in Egypt last July 2017, and to come and help reshape the country after the revolution. It was a big oh. conference that was for two days, and this conference they called 31 International Female Researchers to help come back to the country and reshape the country. And I can't tell you like how much this was a true honor for me. I haven't visited Egypt in nine years actually since uh, since 2008 was my last visit. And then when I went there, I saw Egypt with complete different eyes, it was my Western eyes actually now living in North America. And I saw the advancement in Egypt, how women are becoming more empowered. I was so happy to see Female judges, female working in the police, female working as pilots, females in the parliament. Like the parliament of Egypt nowadays, we have 80, 89 Egyptian female in the parliament out of 300 people. So that's that's a massive number actually. And the amount of community service that is done there, I was very, very happy and proud to be there. Moreover, you know, people really felt, you know, like that. Yes, you're coming back to the origin now to share your education and what you learn in Canada and in the States, especially that my education are in both Canadian and American universities. So people really felt touched that, you know, like, I didn't stay in Canada and keep my knowledge for myself. No, I'm going back home and trying to create a social change in Egypt, helping people redefine their success, reach out for their success, unleash their potential, try to be more positive, try to figure out their identity and values and having a more fulfilling way of living, uh, in a short trip like this, it was eight days. I can tell you, I was on fifteen TV show, uh, eighty five interviews in the newspaper. You know, everyone was really counting on me as a person. Especially that I was the only female researcher in the area of coaching and counseling and really Egypt need a huge work in coaching and counseling and helping people communicate together, have stronger team building skills together and I was very happy like since then you know to communicate with the government, the charity organization, the people to really improve this and have a plan actually for the development. So, it's, so you know it, it feels great when you are a humanitarian, you cherish yes I am Canadian Egyptian but let me let me tell you this fact as well you know i study at an american university the doctor who has been treating me since i was a child is an american so i find myself as a person belonging to the whole world a cosmopolitan person and i so much love the idea that feeling that i belong to the whole world and i need to give back to the whole world that's really wonderful
1: unfortunately we are almost out of time so i have to ask you what is one book or resource besides your own that changed your life that you would
2: recommend to people? Wow, that's a very nice question. One, you know, one of the amazing books that really changed my life was The Right Questions for Debbie Ford. I learned from this book that it's very important to begin asking yourself the right questions in order, in order for you to find the right answers. If the questions from the beginning are wrong, you're never going to find or arrive to the right answers. So this book really, it it took me through 10 chapters. I remember they were 10 chapters. And it taught me how to ask myself the right question in order to create the life that I want. And the time when I read this book was the time actually I made my decision actually to relocate from Montreal to Calgary and accept the job offer in uh, Sankor and shift, you know, and, and I had this conversation as we talked with my mother, knowing that I said, like, mom, I really wanna do that. This is really what's gonna fulfill me. I want to join the industry. So that was a, one of the book I would really recommend for everyone who are striving for change to to learn really how to ask themselves the right questions. And Debbie Ford was an amazing coach. Like I've been always inspired, you know, by her books, The Shadow, The Courage. She, she's been amazing. May her soul rest in peace.
1: I agree. I have, I have follow, I follow Debbie Ford and yes, I agree. May her soul rest in peace. She contributed quite a bit to my life and it sounds yes. like to your life too. Yes. So, if people want to find out more about you and your work, how can they do that?
2: I think the easiest way, seriously, is to go to Google and type Dalia Mustafa Calgary. They're going to come across my Dalia Mustafa website, which is Com. D-A-H-L-I-A, then Mustafa is M-O-S-T-A-F-A.com. Uh, They are going to come through the website of Dalia Mustafa, the personal website, Life Transformation Academy, the IVF Retreat, which is an initiative I do for people who are trying to conceive babies through in vitro fertilization, the Soul Coaching website as well, through which I... um, I offer the certification of becoming a soul coach through the Soul Coaching International Institute. They are going to come through my radio show. There is actually a TV show as well. It's called Blooming Dahlia. So they are going to come through a massive thing. You know, everything is trackable through that. Awesome.
1: Well, Dahlia Mustafa, thank you for shining your light to illuminate the way for others. And thank you so much for your time today.
2: Kate, thank you so much for having me today in the show. It's really such an honor for me. I am so driven and I'm so passionate about the kind of work that you do, that you try to help people break values as well and undergo change to redefine their success. You know, success is a great thing, but I always try to remind myself and others, joy is my number one value and then success comes. You know, joy can always bring success.
1: Good advice. Thank you, Dahlia. I'll be
2: right back. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler.
1: Welcome back to Change Redefining Success. I know I say this a lot, but my goodness, such an inspiring woman. One thing that continually jumps out at me and that I have believed for a very long time is that you have to get out of your own bubble to really expand and grow into who you are meant to be. It's easy to get stuck in the echo chamber of people who all think and live the same way. We need to continually expose ourselves to different ways of thinking, different cultural ideas and ways of living. We may not always agree with them, but the upside is they enable us to be more confident in the choices we make and to realize that we have choices, lots of them, in our own lives. If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. You can always find links to previous podcasts as well as the writings and recommendations of my guests on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. What's your story? If you'd like to share it on my podcast to inspire others, click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. Speaking of breaking out of your own bubble, next week, my guest is Tracy Bogan, the world's first dreampreneur and a leading expert on goal mastery and self-empowerment. Tracy has backpacked 75,000 miles in six continents through 54 countries. She's made a career of putting herself front and center To show others how to break through their fears and ignite the courage to achieve their boldest goal or most daring dream through her books, retreats, and coaching program. She's been featured on Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, as well as many radio shows and is an international bestselling author of four books. Tracy has lived in China teaching English at the World Exchange College of Language, as well as Alaska, Hawaii, Texas, Arizona, and Wisconsin. The breadth of Tracy's life experience is beyond ordinary. As a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, she spearheaded a campaign to increase the criminal statute of limitations for sex crimes on children. Her grassroots effort helped change Wisconsin's law on child sexual abuse. It is dubbed the Bogan Bill. Tracy works with entrepreneurs to connect with their soul's purpose and create more time, money, freedom, and fun in their lives. Get ready to be transported out of your seats and into the nooks and crannies of the world with dreampreneur Tracy Bogan. I hope you'll join us. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success.
0: Is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com.